Let's turn now in our Bibles to John chapter 17. John 17. We'll be looking at Belgian Confession, Article 24, in just a moment. First, let's read our text from John chapter 17. And we'll start at verse 13. John 17, known as the high priestly prayer. And here we find Jesus drawing a particular attention to praying for our sanctification. So we're going to be reading from John 17, verse 13, down to verse 19. It's found on page 1073. John 17, at verse 13. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And here's our focus. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And as far as reading from John 17, let's now turn in the back of our songbooks. If you'd like to read along, we're going to be looking at Belgic Confession Article 24. And if you're in the back of our red songbooks, this is found on page 863-863. As a reminder, the Belgian Confession is a summary for us of biblical teaching. So we are going to be looking specifically at what the Bible teaches concerning the sanctification of sinners. Belgian Confession, Article 24. We believe that this true faith produced in men by the hearing of God's word and by the work of the Holy Spirit regenerates him and makes him a new man, causing him to live the new life and freeing him from the slavery of sin. Therefore, far from making people cold towards living in a pious and holy way, this justifying faith, quite to the contrary, so works within them that apart from it, they will never do a thing out of love for God, but only out of love for themselves and fear of being condemned. So then, it is impossible for this holy faith to be unfruitful in a human being, seeing that we do not speak of an empty faith, but of what Scripture calls faith working through love, which leads a man to do of himself the works that God has commanded in his word. These works, proceeding from the good root of faith, are good and acceptable to God, since they are all sanctified by his grace. Yet they do not count towards our justification, for by faith in Christ we are justified even before we do good works. Otherwise, they could not be good, any more than the fruit of a tree could be good if the tree is not good in the first place. Place. And that's as far as reading uh, in the Belgic, and we pray for the blessing of our God upon the preaching uh, of his word.
congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, holiness is a necessary and important aspect of the Christian's life. As 1 Peter puts it, we are to be holy because our God is holy. But the fact of the matter is sometimes we don't feel very holy and we don't act very holy. How can it be that we are at the same time a justified saint and a sinner? Well, today we are going to move from justification to sanctification, and specifically we are going to see that justification forms for us the context in which sanctification takes place. Now, to define sanctification, it would be like this. Sanctification really means to be holy, to be set apart, consecrated to God. But when we speak of sanctification, we are speaking of the process by which our status as God's people is made evident in our living. It is a process of being freed from sin, of being purified, of growing in holiness. If justification deals with our guilt, sanctification deals with our corruption. But although we've considered these two aspects, justification and sanctification, in two separate weeks, you cannot have one without the other. To say this another way, those who are justified will necessarily be sanctified. The fact of the matter is, there are moral and ethical implications to our salvation. But how does this process begin? Let me ask it this way. As some have falsely taught, justification is the part that God does. Sanctification is the part that we do. Is that true? Is salvation partly of God and partly of man, where justification is the, the legal taking care of matters in God's degree and God's part, and sanctification is the work that we do in and of ourselves? Is that true or even is that possible? Well, if that's not true, how about the other extreme? Since sanctification is a work of God, God's people can just kick back, put their feet up, let go, and let God, and wait for it to take place. Is sanctification something that God does apart from us or outside of us? Can we just sit back and let God do his thing without any effort or dedication on our own part? How do these things work together? Well, today we are going to see that our holy God both calls us and enables us to be holy people. He calls us and enables us to be holy people. With this theme, Jesus Christ consecrated himself so that we might be sanctified. Jesus Christ consecrated himself so that we might be sanctified. The fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, we all have sins that need to be dealt with. We all have sins that we struggle with. I think we could all identify at least one long-term sin that we struggle with, that we need to battle. Maybe your sin is the sin of worry, fear, anxiety. Maybe it is, it is pride. Maybe the sin that you struggle with is the sin of anger or, or coveting or greed. Whatever sin that might be, how do you battle it? Calls for both dedication and faith. 
In our first point, then, we are going to look at the grounds of our sanctification. The sanctification of God's people is a doctrine that is built upon specific events and facts. People do not just wake up one morning and say, well, today I'm going to be sanctified. I'm going to do this in myself if I try really, really hard. Rather, sanctification is the holiness of God's people rooted in the holiness of the God who calls them. Specifically, we read this in John 17, verse 19. That was the end of our passage in John 17. Here quoting, Jesus consecrated himself so that we might be sanctified in the truth. Literally, the same word that is applied to Jesus is applied to his people. Jesus consecrates himself so that his people might be consecrated. Jesus sets himself apart so that his people might be set apart. Jesus sanctifies himself so that his people might be sanctified. Jesus makes himself holy so that his people would be holy. Jesus is set apart for our sake, not only as an example, but to secure the necessary holiness. In other words, we can and will be holy because our mediator has been set apart or has set himself apart for this specific work. Jesus Christ is set apart for this task. One way we could look at the work of Jesus Christ, we could look at the work of salvation. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is taking a people and setting them apart for holiness. Jesus' work is to take a people out of this world and to make them his bride, washed, purified, cleansed, and holy. And that, just jumping ahead to our last point, is why he pours out the Spirit upon us to secure this holiness that is necessary for us. Although sanctification is a, a lifelong process, it has a specific beginning. It's when we are joined to Christ by faith. Sanctification is rooted in our being justified. It's when we're snatched from the life of slavery and sin and set free on the path of, of holiness and obedience. We can link this, this holiness to various aspects of the Christian faith and our theology. We can look at being justified by God, now sanctified by him. We looked at justification, that was that legal declaration, right? When sins taken from us, credited to Christ, Christ's righteousness credited to us, and sanctification grows out of that. Or you can look at how sanctification is linked to faith. We find this in our Belgic Confession. True faith is a living, active faith. True faith is a, a faith that justifies, but it's also a faith that sanctifies. Or the relational component. If we are grafted, joined to Christ by faith, grafted into him, we are part of this body growing out and in him. The relational aspect as God's children, part of his family, if our God is holy, his people must be holy. Adopted children picking up the traits of the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Or consecrated, set apart, called out of darkness. 
There's a moral aspect to our sanctification. Our attitudes, our, our actions reflect a change in allegiance. We are living like citizens in the kingdom above, seeking first the kingdom of God and righteousness. So you can look at the, the various ways that, that sanctification is linked to the various aspects of the Christian life. All that is true, all that is important, all that is necessary, but it, one of the most instrumental aspects of our sanctification is this, our union with Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, the church is the gathering of those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. That's 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. The definition of the church is those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. That's how you define the church. Those who are sanctified in Christ. John 15 illustrates what this means. John 15, that's the vine and the branches. If you are grafted into Christ, if you are a, a branch that is joined to the root of Christ, then the life of Christ necessarily flows up and bubbles into you, making you a fruitful branch, producing the good fruit of good works. Bearing fruit is how we are identified in this world. You will be known by what you do. It's by faith that we're joined to Christ, and this faith sets us free to live a life of obedience, gratitude, and thanksgiving. So to summarize our first point, we have seen that sanctification is connected to the other aspects of our salvation. Sanctification cannot be looked at in absence uh, or by itself. It's connected to the other aspects of our faith. If you are joined to Christ, you will necessarily produce fruit. Unless you are first joined to Christ, you cannot produce fruit. But if you are joined to Christ, you will produce fruit. It also follows, if you are justified, you will be sanctified. If Christ set himself apart, consecrated himself for the holiness of his people, if you are in Christ, you will be holy. As our Belgian Confession states, it is impossible for this holy faith to be unfruitful. So it's impossible for a true Christian to be unfruitful. Well, what then of our responsibility? If sanctification grows out of our justification, what about this uh, process called sanctification? Who is it that is supposed to do this work? Is there anything that remains for us to do? If we are set apart for holiness, do we actually have to be dedicated to being holy? Uh, consider again what our article says, our Belgian Confession article says, this true faith causes him, the believer, causes him to live a new life and frees him from slavery to sin. So to be clear, brothers and sisters, sanctification is the continued work of God whereby he applies the principle of new life to our entire being. And it is also true that sanctification is the calling of a Christian to become what we already are in Christ. We're becoming what we already are in Christ. To illustrate this, perhaps Philippians 2 will bring us greater clarity. Philippians 2 puts it like this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For 
It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation. It's a dedication, a motivation to strive, to effort. Paul also says, run the good, run the, run the, the good race, fight the good fight. Not just sitting back and waiting, being diligent, being faithful, being committed to a life of holiness. Yes and amen. It is a call that we receive in Christ. We, you, have the commandment, be holy, be set apart, be sanctified. If you're not dedicated to this, if you don't have a desire for holiness, you should question whether or not you're joined to Christ in faith. It is impossible for someone who is in Christ to not care about their sin. It's impossible. True faith is a living faith, an obedient faith. It hurts, it's, it, it's painful for God's people to sin. We hate sin because sin is an affront, it's an attack on our God who is holy and called us and set us apart, consecrated us for holy living. Yes and amen. But then Philippians 2 continues, for it is God's work in you. He gives you the will and the way. So the desire that you have to be holiness is a God-given desire. And the ability that you have to grow in holiness is a God-given ability. Unless God is working within you, you won't have the desire and you won't have the way. Perhaps I can illustrate this uh, with the learning of an instrument. Some of you play instruments and you know that if you are going to become better at playing the instrument, you have to do what? You gotta practice. You gotta put in the time, you gotta put in the effort. Uh, you are not going to become a, a concert a pianist by just deciding one day and starting to play. You have to hone your skills, you gotta put in the effort, the, the sweat, the toil. But what are you really doing? You are exercising a muscle that God has given to you. You are using a gift that God has given to you. He's given you the ability, the, the talent, the desire. You're using skills that God has already planted within you. And you know, if you don't practice, perhaps some of you had this after taking piano for a few years, if you don't practice, what happens to that skill? It's like learning a second language. If you don't practice it, you lose it. So it is in the Christian life, you can backslide into sin if you are not putting in the effort. So sanctification is really, it's a, it's a Christian practicing it's using your gifts. It's a, it's a dedication, putting in the hours, drawing out, building upon what God has given to you. Listen to these words from 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians 7. Since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So the call to, to cleanse yourself is built upon the promises of God. Specifically, in 2 Corinthians 7, he will be your God, you will be his people. The promise is the foundation. 
then you build upon that with a calling to, to separate yourself, to touch no unclean thing. Separate yourself from every defilement, bringing holiness to completion. That's the calling, what we're committed to do. And then finally, the goal, bringing holiness to completion. Did you know that every one of God's people will ultimately attain the goal of perfection? Of perfection? Either when Jesus Christ uh, comes back or you end your earthly journey, the end result will be attained. Perfection of body and soul. So the promise of where we are ultimately going, our goal, doesn't lead to apathy or, or, or not caring, but it motivates us and moves us in the hope of victory, motivating us in our action, in our obedience and faith. Other words in Scripture that talk about this process, a renewal, transformation, growth and grace and knowledge of the truth, godliness, purity, holiness, set apart, all of this is describing what you and I are called to do which is pursue holiness. It's the loving obedience of a child who is, is confident in their position as a child, motivated to obey by a heart of love because of who we are in Jesus Christ. As you can see, true faith does not make us cold or apathetic, but are rather lovingly devoted to pursuing the holiness without which no one will see God. That means, brothers and sisters, to apply this point, as God's people, we are distinct. We're salt and light. We're different from this world. As a general rule, if the world praises something, God's people will likely call it sin. We are committed, we are committed to try to discern what is pleasing to God to discern what would bring God glory. What would, what would God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Living like salt and light, holy in an unholy, wicked world. Knowing that friendship with the world is hostility to God. So we pursue putting to death the sins that remain and coming alive in the image of Christ. So this pursuit of holiness is a work of God that he performs in us, with us, as he calls us and equips us. And what remains in our last point then is to briefly look at the means that we are given, or the tools, if you will, by which we can be sanctified. The first tool in the toolbox of sanctification is prayer. Paul prays in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May the God of grace sanctify you completely. As God's people, we need to pray that God would sanctify us, that he would open our eyes, that we would see our sin, that he would move our hearts to hate that sin, and then move our hands to flee from that sin. It's our prayer, Lord, sanctify me, sanctify our church. But also, we pray for the Spirit. As Romans 15, verse 16 puts it, Paul's greatest desire is that the church would be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's for good reason that the Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. 
Why did Jesus Christ pour out the Spirit on Pentecost is to make his people holy. So we pray, we ask Jesus, send me your spirit that I might be sanctified. Holy Spirit, do your work within me. Give me the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the mind to comprehend. But what are we wanting to comprehend? We are wanting to comprehend God's word. So the third tool in the toolbox of sanctification is the word of God. Jesus prayed, we read this earlier, John 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. The Bible and the preaching of the word are the means that the Spirit uses to sanctify us, to form us, to fashion us, to change us into what we are becoming, which is Jesus Christ. That's why we call the word and the sacraments the means of grace. Along with prayer, they are the God-given means that he uses to make his people into a holy congregation of Christ. Sanctification must be our goal. It must be our pursuit. It must be our desire. So may we all long, may we all strive, may we all work in the grace of Christ to be holy because our God is holy. As we close, holiness is our identity and it is our calling. If we are in Christ, if we are filled with the Spirit, we will be becoming holy people. Any progress in this journey of holiness is only possible if the Spirit is dwelling and working within. It is not that God does his part and then we do our part. Rather, it is God who calls and enables us to do what we are called to do. As our theme states, Jesus Christ consecrates himself so that we might be sanctified. Just as living branches produce fruit, so those joined to Christ must be fruitful Christians. So may we all dedicate ourselves. May we all be committed to praying for this necessary sanctification, to be holy because our God is holy. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful reminder of our calling and our identity, that we are holy people, set apart, consecrated by Christ, filled with the Spirit. May this truth so motivate us, may it fill our hearts with longing for holiness. May we, by your grace, have the will and the way to work out our salvation when we see our sin, may we hate it. May we flee from it. When we see uh, something in us which is contrary to your word, may that be exposed. We pray that as your people, we would live holy, decent, chaste lives in an unholy world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.